Okay, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, your grace to us, your grace through us and in us and around us. And we ask now that you would be with us, that you would teach us, that you would bless us uh, with your word. We thank you, Lord, for the um, just for the gift of, of Scripture and how it reveals uh, you uh, to us and uh, opens us to you. We ask, Lord, for you now to come and be our teacher and uh, forgive us for our sins and uh, open our minds. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is part three, uh, but it's really, I mean, they're kind of independent studies. Uh, we've been going through uh, John 5 and 6, so the last couple of weeks we were on John 5, now we're on uh, John 6. We'll um, cover the first two uh, portions uh, today, the miracles, uh, Jesus feeds the 5,000, and Jesus walks on water. And then next week we've got a really big section on um, Jesus as the bread of life. And actually they, they, that really does kind of go uh, with this. Uh, with, um, and we'll see that. Uh, but, but it's okay. Here you go, Louise. It's, um, you know, John kind of calls, uh, tends to call it, uh, the way it's translated anyway, it tends to call um, the miracles, he calls them signs. And I think uh, uh, that, w- that wording is, is helpful uh, to us. Uh, more so than a miracle. Miracle seems like a sort of a contained thing which in and of itself, but a sign, if you think about a sign, a sign points to something else. You know, right? It, it, you might, might, you need really good signage. You might really, really be focusing on, um, on making a great sign, but, but a sign is never the point, right? A sign is always pointing to something uh, greater than itself. And so John's designation of the sort of miraculous occurrences as signs uh, is actually more helpful than than the miracle. We want to think of these two miracles as signs um, and pointing to something greater, and um, because they're not just on Je- Jesus's resume as something as cool things he can do. And that's you know sometimes we kind of think, wow, Jesus, that was just amazing. Like he feed five thousand people with five loaves and two fish, and um, but but actually. Um, it's pointing to something greater in his life. In fact, the ultimate miracle, uh, our own salvation. And so, um, and so we want to see that uh, this morning in these two signs. So um, I'm going to just read um, verse 1 through 15 first, uh, and we'll talk about that one, and then, we'll, um, and then we will talk about uh, walking on the water. After this, Jesus went away uh, to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs and he was do, uh, that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. And Jesus then took the loaves... And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. And so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, 
that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments so that uh, from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, he, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. All right. So along with the triumphal entry and the crucifixion, uh, this feeding of the 5,000 is the only story that is in all four Gospels. And so you can kind of think, you got uh, four storytellers, you got four takes. If you got four kids, you know, and something, the lamp breaks and mom comes home and asks what happened, you got four different stories, right? You know, um, we know the gospel tellers, they're, at least they're telling the truth, right? You know, but it's just they have different uh, points of emphasis, uh, different, different uh, reasons for why, how they're, why they're employing and uh, methods for how they're employing the, um, the story in their overall narrative. So, in fact, it's not, uh, it should be noted, it's not actually um, evidence that it didn't happen, that there, that there's slight variations in their, um, um, in their, their stories, but actually it should be evidence that it did happen, because we can see that since they're not word for word, that one didn't copy from the other. Okay, so they, um, they have different, different takes on it, and, and so that's actually a testimony to authenticity. Um, it's interesting, uh, it is interesting actually that John included the story. Because if you've read the Gospel of John, you know that he is almost completely unconcerned with Jesus' ministry in Galilee. Like, he spends, Jesus spends all of his time in Jerusalem. And in fact, almost all of John, from like the 12th chapter on, is, is the last week of his life. And so, um, so John is really unconcerned, uh, for the most part, with Galilee. But this was really important. It was really important. And we're going to see uh, why that is. Um, I think that the key to understanding John's take on this comes in verse 4. And it's just a, just a sort of slight, uh, sort of almost mention it in passing uh, and I'll be honest, it's not something I really noticed before sort of going back over and over uh, this time and reading some commentaries afresh. Um, I think it's the Passover. Because he's the only one of the four who mentions that this was at the Passover. Now Mark, you may remember Mark says um, they sat down in the green grass. He designates that it was sort of, that it was green. So the fact that it was the Passover, we know it was springtime. And in fact, here it says um, you know, there was much grass in the area. And so uh, we know it was, it was springtime. It was um, it was uh, because the sun hadn't burned up the grass and made it brown in this hot um, day. So it was just really it was very green. And but I think the Passover uh, is the is the key to John's take on it. So just what, kind of walk through it. We see that um, uh, we see that Philip. Uh, well, they, there's a large crowd a large crowd coming uh, towards him. They saw the signs that he was doing. Seriously, it says they, they're coming because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Because they weren't coming, because, and Jesus calls them out on this uh, in other instances. He, he's, they're, not call, they're not coming because they love Jesus. You know, they're coming because they, they're amazed and they want more. In fact, later on they say, they say well, why? Um, he said, you, you didn't come to me because of me. You came because you want more bread you know, after, after this. Um, and then we'll see that next week. But the, um, 
But the thing uh, here is that they they're just coming out. They want healing, which is I mean, under, don't 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 you and me? I mean, I want healing. I've got a boot on my foot. I want healing too. Um, and so uh, he went up on the mountain. He sat down with his disciples, and again it was Passover, and he and he says to Philip, you can almost see like just a twinkle in his eye, like like this is sort of a a life life lesson for Philip, a faith lesson. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna feed all these people? And, and Philip does exactly what you and I would do. I mean, we would be right there. I know I, this is a we got a problem. Like we got a problem on our hands. This is this is this is a, a bad bad situation. Two hundred denarii wouldn't feed all these people. That's eight months' wages. Wouldn't feed. Wouldn't even give each one a bite. It says five thousand men. Well, they probably they were with their families. I mean, there some scholars speculate twenty thousand people. And they were, I mean, you think about what they did. They followed him. They walked around the lake. It's a big lake. It's, it's not a sea. You know, it's not an ocean. Uh, it's called the Sea of Galilee, but it's a, it's a great big lake. And they walked around it to get to Jesus. I mean, that, you think about how compelling. And they didn't have. I mean, modern medicine. You and I, like, we had, if we walked all the way to get healing, we walk up to like UAB, right? I mean, that that's that might might break a little sweat in the Birmingham July, but uh, but it, you know, that's these people were desperate. They were desperate. And they, they went to see Jesus, and Jesus says, what are we going to do? And, um, and then Andrew, who's, who's Peter's brother, uh, says, well, I mean, there's, there's, five, there's five barley loaves and two fish. This little boy. He, John's the only one that says a little boy. They just, the others say, he, we have five loaves and two fish. Barley, with, the barley loaves, probably just a little cake. It was the... Um, it, it was the inexpensive bread of the people. It was, it was not. It was not fine bread by any by any means. And um, and so Jesus says, um, "Have him sit down." He, I mean, like, this didn't take Jesus by surprise. You know, he, like he, he didn't ask Philip, like, "What are we, we going to do?" Like he he knew he knew his body. He said, have, him, "Have him sit down." And of course, Andrew. I mean, still just cynical. That, that would have been me. Like. <laughs> I got something right, you know, like you know, just just sort of joking around or whatever. But um, and so this is what Jesus does: He takes the bread, He gives thanks, and then He distributes it to the people. He took the bread, gave thanks, and gave. What does that What does that sound like? What does that remind you of? Communion, the Eucharist. Now they wouldn't have known that because He hadn't instituted the Lord's Supper yet. There's a very um, there's a very sacramental element. What's missing though in that? Well, the wine, yes. The wine is where, yes. What's missing with the bread? He broke it. It doesn't say he broke it. Why? Passover. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to look at that. Well, what else does it remind you of? Bread coming miraculously in the wilderness. Yeah, the man man in the wilderness. I mean, they wouldn't have caught the Eucharist because it hadn't been instituted yet, but they certainly would have caught miraculous bread in the wilderness. There's massive people, right? That's why they said, oh my gosh, it's the prophet. So we'll talk about what that means in just a minute. Anything else that reminds you of? I'll tell you what came to my mind is uh, creation. Speaking, Speaking creation into being came at, at his word 
Scripture tells us that was that Jesus is the, is the agent of creation. That he came at his, at his word, by him and for him, all things were created. And so we see here uh, Jesus as the new Moses, man in the wilderness. We also see him as God speaking this in into being. All right. So John makes a point of telling us, almost in passing, this is the Passover. Do you remember about the Passover? So the, la- the Passover is the last of the ten judgments on um, uh, on Egypt. And over and over again, uh, Moses, at, at God's command, had gone to Pharaoh and said, and said, let my people go. And over and over again, Pharaoh either said, no, or he said, I will, and then he changed his mind, right? And the last one was the Passover, where he, and, and Moses begged Pharaoh. And he said, all the firstborn sons will be killed. Now, in every other, um, every other of the, of the ten plagues, every, the other nine, Israel was safe. It was a judgment on Egypt. The locusts and the, the hail and all these things. But the Passover is different. The Passover, um, they don't ever have to take precautions for the hail or the locusts or the frogs or anything. They have to take precaution for the Passover. Because the Passover is a beginning, sort of preliminary judgment day. And no one escapes. Not the Jews. It's, it's, against, it's God's wrath against human sin. But God does give them provision. He says, I want everyone to take a lamb into their house for several days. Play with it, get the kids to you know, teach it tricks, whatever. So you form a relationship with it. And then you have to kill it. You have to take its blood. You have to put the blood over the doorpost. It seems very primitive to us. Those are actually a quite advanced society. Um... But they, uh, and God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And every firstborn son of Israel could look at the lamb as he was eating the lamb and taking the lamb into himself. The lamb was becoming, in a sense, a part of him. And he could say, if that lamb hadn't died, it would have been me. Because, and that was the price uh, of, uh, of that was a reasonable price for sin. When when God remember when um, God said to Abraham, "Give me your firstborn son," and like all these other times, Abraham Abraham is like Abraham's like trying to trick them and telling Sarah's his sister. Abraham does some crazy things, right? And so God says, "Give me this the, your only son, the son that of the promise." And Abraham gets up and he says, "Okay, let's go." Why? Because he knew that God was calling in his debt. It was a reasonable thing. And of course, then God provided the ram, right? Um, and remember what Isaac said on the way up? He said, um, he said, Father, the wood and the fire, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? This didn't, wasn't looking good for Isaac. And, 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 and Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb. And so, um, so, Back to, back to the Passover. God said, 
kill, it had to be unblemished, perfect lamb. And they said, every one will, um, uh, every firstborn son will be taken unless I see the blood of the lamb. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And then he, after, after he passed over and executed judgment on the, on the nations, uh, all the people were taken out of the bondage of slavery and, and taken into uh, the, well, the opportunity for freedom, right? And then they, um, they got to the edge of the Red Sea and he took them through again. Uh, with this, lifted up his staff, and the Egypt's, Egyptians were bearing down, and he went through, and there's a flood. It was, we'll talk about that in a minute. But the, um, but anyway, so, so I think that John's making a reference um, to the. Uh, obvi- I mean, obviously they broke the bread. I think he's making a reference to the Passover, but he doesn't say he broke the bread. Obviously they broke the bread because they, uh, they were just. I don't think they were just giving out. Maybe they were. I don't think they were just giving out cakes and just tons of cakes. I think. I mean, they must surely they were breaking it off and giving it to everybody. And yet, um, and yet, Jesus uh, is the one uh, who who was to be broken. Um, and so, uh, but not yet, not yet. Anyway, this is the the next thing that I see. I've always they take up they take up more than they had to, to begin with, right? They have more leftovers than they started with after twenty thousand people have eaten. And um, and I've always seen, I mean, I've always heard and, and seen that as you know, 12 baskets, there's 12 tribes of Israel, God's coming back to, to um, redeem the people, and that's true. But there were also 12 disciples. And if they're the ones picking up, then each one of them came back full. Each one of them had a full basket. Started off as an empty basket, it came back full. And I think that's really significant. I mean, I've seen this. I've seen this passage before. Is you know, God takes our five loaves and two fish. You know, what little we offer to Him, and He makes it enough. And I think that's right. But I think that um, I mean, I think we can't apply that to our own lives in that way. And what little we offer to God makes it more than enough. But I think first we have to say that God fills us up in Him. He is He's the bread of life. He's going to talk about that uh, next week, uh, in the second part of John six. But the um, each of the disciples saw Christ, saw His work, and came back full. And I think that's significant. Um, they received all of it. They didn't bring anything. Um, they didn't have anything to offer. Now, so what happens? They said, this is the prophet. They recognized the manna in the wilderness, the bread in the wilderness, said, this is the prophet. Do you remember what that is? Moses said, uh, prayed to God that he would send a prophet uh, like himself, and he would come uh, and, and lead the people who would be like sheep without a shepherd. And um, and they said, yeah, that was Joshua, but it's also there's going to be one greater, um, uh, a bringer of the law. They, and so they're going to make Jesus king. And if you heard my sermon this morning, uh, but but they had expectations of a, a of an independent state, and wanted Jesus to be king. And um, and Jesus withdraws because he's not a king like that. He's not a king who would rule in glory yet. He will one day after he comes back. But, but before, he had to be broken. He was king uh, by dying, living uh, through his death. So we see all of this in the, um, in the feeding of the 5,000. What's so interesting is um, in Matthew and Mark, and also now in John, it goes right into walking on water. Luke doesn't do walking on water. But um, but he goes into walking on water. How am I doing on time, Clay? What's my what's my time? Ten thirty. Okay, we're doing good. Any questions or thoughts or? Yeah, Chris. One that's just Passover. Are we a year or two years away from Jesus' death? 
Uh, in John, it's hard to tell, um, and I so I don't I don't I can't tell you. I think we're probably a year away, but I if I had to guess, I I, I don't know the answer to that. It's a good good question. First act, first time I ever thought about. Yeah. Yeah. The um. There are. Let's see, there are. Th- I know there there are three times he talks about the Passover that John does. One of them is the cru- around the crucifixion, and one of them uh, is right after. He comes out of the wilderness, I think. Um, I'd have to go back and check on that. But I know this is the middle one, and it's sort of like it doesn't make a big deal about it, but I think that's the key to what John is doing here. Any other questions about this little section right here? Okay. So he says, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. Uh, no Jesus. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat. And they were frightened. I guess so. Uh, But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. All right. Um, anybody hear Andrew's sermon last week? He talked about um, the water in the Old Testament as as judgment, as almost always judgment. And I was sitting there, and I was, and it occurred to me that I wonder if that's what's going on. In, you know, all the times that the storm whips up on the on the sea, and Jesus calms it, or here he walks across it. Like if that's if that's, I mean, water also in the New Testament baptism, and that's one of the things that he was talking about last week. But um. So it's new, a new thing. But here Jesus walks across the water. Water had been judgment. And they're, they're, um, they're in a rough patch. They're in a storm. They're rowing. Uh, they're not getting anywhere. And Jesus isn't with them. He says he... Um, the, the other accounts say... That, I mean, it's after... You can imagine why he was. He needed some, he needed some daddy time, right? He needed some father, time with his father. So he went up on the mountain to pray. Because he was exhausted, he just he had just fed the five thousand. He just needed he needed to recharge, or he needed to get his marching orders. Uh, and we see Jesus in prayer a lot. John doesn't spend a lot of time emphasizing that, uh, but just to make the point that he wasn't with them in the boat, but he walked out across the water. Now I used I used to really <laughs> I've taught this before uh, from Matthew I think, and I, where I said I can't really think of any reason that Jesus would do this. Other than just to be fun, you know, like just it was just so fun. Like it was just like he, you imagine he's kind of skating along the. Uh, wouldn't that be so cool if you could? Well, you just skating along these and, and and catching air and and all this. Like I don't know, Craig. Think about it, man. But the but I, you know now now I don't think that's exactly it, or at least not what John is. It probably was fun, but I, it's not exactly what John is is um is trying to do. See. We've just seen Jesus as the new Moses. And Moses led his people through the Red Sea as an escape uh, from slavery, as an escape from capture, uh, as an escape uh, from where they had been uh, in bondage. And of course, those who were not uh, faithful to the Lord were trying to oppose his ways. The water came back uh, over them. So we've just seen Jesus as, as the new Moses and feeding the five thousand. Although Moses didn't give him the bread, it was it was God, of course. 
Now here, guys, right in the middle of the water, right in the middle of, let's just call it, right in the middle of judgment. And they're not making progress. It's hard rowing. And Jesus walks out above the water, not sinking down into judgment. Maybe, is that a stretch? I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. Um, it's, it's, it's at least something that we can say for sure. That Jesus didn't sink down uh, into judgment. He walks above it. And he went out to where they were to rescue them in the place where they in the place where they were. He met them. He didn't wait for them on the other side. He could have certainly just, you know, appeared on the other side of the lake. Sure. Or he could have he could have appeared in the boat. He could um you know, he any who knows what he could have, if he can walk on water, he can do any of those things, you know. Um but he didn't. He walked out to them where they were struggling. And I just think about like our life. Moses didn't walk out to them. Moses struggled himself. You know, he led them, but here they were on their own, and Jesus comes out to them in the midst of their struggle. And when the, he, you know what he said? He says, um, "It is I." And the Greek there is "ego eimi," which means "I am." So, um, I, I mean, that's how you would have said, "Hey guys, it's just me." Like you would have said, "Ego eimi," but. It's hard to miss that, especially when he says, I'm the bread of life, I'm the resurrection of life, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, it's hard to miss John's consistent use of the ego me, I am. Remember what Moses said, how can I, how will I, um, when they asked me who sent them to take, take them from this land, who will I say sent them? And they said, tell them I am. It's hard to miss that. Uh, ego me. I am, and immediately, uh, and they were glad to take him into the boat. Uh, he alleviated their fears, and immediately the boat was at land. Now, I will say this, that I have often read that and thought, well, admit, I don't know if I'd have written that because, like that, because it sounds like they were, he was probably just walking along the, the you know, the, the, the comfortable part of the lake where you're walking around, or the, you know, the beach where the water's just a little deep, and it looks, you know, might, at night it might have looked like it, and all of a sudden, uh, they're there anyway, and he just, he just, he just said, "Oh, look, we're at land." You know, like I, but that—that's not what John's saying. I've always kind of read it that way. John's not saying that they were already at land and, and they just kind of discovered it, and so Jesus was actually walking on the shore. That's not what John's saying. So there's two miracles. That they were Jesus walked out on the water, and met them where they were in their struggles, and they were delivered immediately. I mean, is that the gospel? Like Jesus meets us in our struggles, and we are immediately delivered. That's the truth about it. Which doesn't mean you're, I don't mean to say your problems go away immediately. What I mean to say is that the truth about our sin, we're tossed about and buffeted by sin, as the colleague says, that the truth about it is that it, we are immediately delivered once, once Jesus gets in the boat. When Jesus gets in the boat with us, we're immediately delivered. And I think that that is uh, clearly what John is saying. So you take these uh, you can take these two together and see how it points to the salvation story. I want to ask: Do you have questions about the uh, or comments about the um, uh, about about the second the second miracle? Anybody walking on water? Okay. So Jesus feeds the five thousand, basically declaring that He is God. The word His word spoken uh, over the bread. 
giving thanks to the Father, distributing all that they could possibly need. He is Himself, as we'll see, the bread of life that feeds right in there. And then we see in the walking of the water, uh, what comes after the bread of life in John 6 uh, is He says that, um, members, disciples go away, and we'll see this next week, but He says the disciples go away and they come back. He says, um, are you going to leave too? And the disciples say, you have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? Where else could they have gone? That uh, on the lake. They needed Jesus to come and rescue. And I think that John is just painting for us, or at least low-hanging fruit to say, um, this is the salvation story. This is, this, this is the story of salvation. That in our wilderness, God provides all that um, He um, all, that, all of Himself, all that we could possibly need, certainly more than we ever start with. And in our sin, that He comes out and meets us in judgment and delivers us immediately. And I think that those things are working together. And that's why um, John has taken himself for a moment out of Jerusalem and put himself uh, into Galilee uh, so that we can see this. As he's moving, he's always moving. John's always moving towards Jerusalem. Um, he starts in Jerusalem, a little, little hiatus here, and then, um, and then back to Jerusalem. Um, but I just think it's remarkable. I had never really seen these two working together quite like that, sort of independent things, sort of res- resume bullet points, but I've never seen them working together. I don't know if I really articulated well how they work together. I hope I did. Um, but uh, we see that Jesus is the thing that we need, who fills us up and who rescues us in our, um, uh, in our struggles. Any, any thoughts or questions about that? Yes, ma'am. If I open my mouth, usually stupid falls right out. Well, we're, we're quite sure that won't happen today. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I was reading in Luke about the one where he went to have dinner and the woman was with a high fever. Mm-hmm. And, and he made her well. And it struck me that all of a sudden, she was not only well, she was up and serving them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's Peter's mother-in-law. Right. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and I was I was just... Well, I think so. I mean, you know, that, I mean, all, like, that's why John talks about uh, the, uh, the miracles as signs because they point to something greater. But certainly we who have received the healing, whether it be of our sin or, or we'd love, wouldn't it be great physically as well? But, but certainly it, it, all, the, um, it all points to something greater. It points to, to our relationship with Him. So the miracle isn't, isn't, the point of the miracle isn't the miracle. The point of the miracle is, is the thing that it points, is the miracle worker, is what it points to. So, um, so I think absolutely. I, th- I think you can take that same look in at uh, any of the miracles, whether in, in whatever gospel, but Luke's no exception. That you, um, and that is a wonderful picture. She was healed, and and her response was to serve, and and we're healed, and our response should be to serve, not not un, not under the law in order to gain favor with God, but uh, out of out of grace as as a thanksgiving. So so I think so for sure. Um, so yeah, so the the signs uh, they point to uh, not just to themselves, um, and we see that. Oh, you, you think about. I mean, we want we want mir- we've 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 not ceased to want miracles in our lives, right? 
when mama's got cancer or I've got cancer or uh, when you know, the money is running out or, or the business is, whatever, you know, we want God to intervene and fix it, right? It is, it's, that happens sometimes, but, but it's never the point. The point isn't that we would receive a miracle for our own comfort the, or for our deliverance. The, the point is the testimony of the thing that it points to. The point of the miracle is not the miracle. The point of the miracle is the miracle worker. Every time. Every time. So we see that here. And, and so when we're praying for miracles, and, we, and I want you to pray for miracles, but I also want us to remember uh, if, if there's a testimony to come out of it, the, the miracle may be that nothing happens and there's still a testimony to come out of it. So God is always at work in those things. How am I doing on time? Seven minutes. Seven minutes. Man, that was eternity. We could keep going. Um, but we're not going to because I hadn't prepared. Um, yeah, Chris. The phrase parable of action comes to my mind. Okay. Instead of how he teaches, you know, in parable of words, mm-hmm. with miracles. And I haven't thought of them like that. I've always thought of them as their own independent entities, mm-hmm. you know, to show his power and might. Right. But the way you're teaching it, it's almost like teaching through it. Sure. Now, either he was or John was in the way he set it up. Uh, for sure, but but yeah, uh, sort of a par- his actions as parables, actions as te- a teaching mechanism, yeah. uh, for sure, for sure. Although the parables, I, uh, the parables were uh, Jesus said that he taught parables to obscure his teaching, not to make it clear. Well, yes. <laughs> I'm 38, and it's the first time. Yeah. I'm getting there. That's well, I'm I've got you by a year, and it's the first time I've gotten it like that too. So so you maybe maybe you're right. That's good. Is this the same um, miracle as in the other Gospels where he calls Peter out of the boat? I think so. I mean, unless there were, I mean, I guess potentially there could be two. It wouldn't have seen. It wouldn't seem um, realistic that they would be so afraid both times. You know, uh, I, I think it is. I think. I think. Um, I think that's Mark, where um, he emphasizes that, and um, and it seems to me that, again that's why I think John is up to something else. Because that wasn't his point of emphasis. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It, to my mind, it's the same. If you read it that way, it has a whole different meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one. Right. Um, although I love that about Peter, because Peter, you know, if you if you were walking on water and all of a sudden you weren't anymore, you you just boop, you know, you just drop. But but Peter doesn't just drop down. You know, Peter just kind of begins to like sink and Lord save me. And um, so there's <laughs> so that's that's a you know a whole nother thing too. He's still sustained in some in some way. Um but but yeah, you and I would be we'd be all wet, head to toe, you know, in a hurry. In a hurry. Um but yeah, I think it's the same one. Uh, but I think I think the point is the same, the, the immediate deliverance, you know, that Jesus is the one to that, that gets us safely to shore. So yeah. What else? Anything? Mm-hmm. I think it's about halfway. I haven't been there. Anybody been there? Let's see, let me look at the map. Um, this wide. This wide, yeah. No. Um, yeah. It looks like, well, it depends on which way they're going, but it looks like a, somewhere between um, 5 and 10 miles. Yeah, across. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
Yeah, the word is stadia. It's like 600 stadia, which is the equivalent of five, three or four miles. But yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I've seen lots of pictures of it. It's it's um it's you can't really see, you can't see the other side from as far as I can tell from if you're looking straight across, you can't see the other side uh, from what I can have seen pictures. These were men. I mean, they're, yeah, they're tough guys. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I don't think they, you know, they don't. When they were going out, they weren't thinking, "Oh, water. This is judgment. I mean, this is their livelihood." You know, but I think that's the point that I think that's the point that John is making. And if not, then it's the point that I'm making. Right? <laughs> right. You're pulling out. Yeah, yeah, that I'm pulling out of it. I got a question. You're uh, studying the gospel. Mm-hmm. Do you? Because sometimes in my mind, like I was thinking the same thing about Peter. Mm-hmm. You know? here is that do you do everything you can to take it just on this or do you find yourself comparing or do you ever think it's useful to compare oh it's definitely useful yeah it's definitely useful I mean you think about the um, you know the crucifixion narratives you know we it's very fruitful to look at all those um, and you know one of them has the the thieves railing at him and one of them has one thief repenting and and one of them has him crying out with a loud voice and, and dying, and one of them has him saying, it is finished. And you know, But I think we can take all of those things. And it, again, it's just the sort of point of emphasis of the author. But they're all important points that God has seen fit to put in the Scripture. So yeah, so I, I did. I mean, I looked, I looked at, at the different versions when I was studying this. I mean, John, if you know John, John is completely different. The, the others are called the synoptics, like, meaning like one eye to, to take. They all see things the same. Um, there's sort of Mark, and then there's Matthew and Luke that kind of drew on, seem to have drawn on Mark, and and maybe one other, each other, another source. Uh, but John, I mean, Jesus hardly touches the ground in John. I mean, he's he's um, he, he's earthy in the other ones. He's he's divine in John, and he, uh, but but he is. He's fully man and fully God. So um, so he, it, you want to take take all the accounts for sure, for sure. Um, John is. Uh, particularly because of what we'll see next week, John six. I think John John can be um, scary, and 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 I I think, but we got to take it. From, you know, God has seen fit to give it to us in in Scripture. So. Yes, Clay. You have one minute. One minute. <laughs> thank you. You're a good timekeeper. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. That you're the perfect Moses, and the perfect Israel, and the perfect God who is our bread of life, who has seen fit to give us all that we need. Uh, we come empty, but we leave full. Uh, you rescue us in our troubles. And I just thank you, God, uh, that your Holy Spirit um, uh, would set those truth, uh, truths upon our heart. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us, sing to us, um, uh, pray over us, Jesus, uh, from the right hand of the Father. Uh, that we might know you and uh, long for you. And we thank you for our salvation. Uh, You are the bread of life. In Jesus' name. Amen.